The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we have returning to us the world's authority on misophonia, but we're also going to talk about muscular dystrophy too. And we're returning to us. We have Jennifer Jo Brout. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you so much, Hacky. It's great to be back. Do you prefer to be called Jennifer or Jennifer Jo? It doesn't matter, but most people call me Jennifer. I thought, I was thinking maybe somebody calls you JJ. You know, no, no one has done that yet, but my parents and everyone that knows me from when I was younger calls me Jenny or Jenny Joe. So, you know, Jennifer is my more mature name. <laughs> you can call me Ray. You can call me Jenny. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself uh, properly to our audience? Okay. So I'm Dr. Jennifer Brout, and I was originally a school psychologist, and I started advocating and developing research programs for what was a little-known disorder called misophonia, which has become in the last four years, I would say, a much more widely known disorder, and I have that, and my daughter has that. So I have founded a program at Duke. I founded some lines of research at NYU. And I have also worked with Dr. Lucy Miller of the Sensory Processing Disorders Foundation. So this has been my life's mission. For the benefit of our different brains audience who might not be familiar with misophonia, what is it? Okay. So misophonia is an auditory and neurological condition. What happens is that certain auditory stimuli, certain sounds, set off the fight-flight reaction. And the sounds are either pattern-based or repetitive. So amongst everyone who has misophonia, it's many, many of the same sounds. And again, things like chewing, sniffling, coughing, sneezing, which are people-oriented sounds, but also things like tapping on a keyboard, windshield wipers. And when somebody who has misophonia hears this, their nervous system goes into that fight-flight response within milliseconds. So it's very difficult to control because you can't really bring your nervous system down in the presence of the actual sound. It takes a lot of practice to learn how to cope. And um, I guess that's, yeah, that's a pretty good general description. That really was very good. Now, to give our audience some tips and tools on what they can do if they have misophonia or say if they have a child with misophonia. I would like to say to all the other parents out there, don't panic. This seems like an unmanageable disorder, 
in a child because children, very young children have no impulse control. Their language is not developed. As children get older, coping skills can be developed. And some tips are we have developed kind of a language in the popular press and even in the academic press where we say, my mother's my trigger, my teacher's my trigger. So we don't want to make these associations between people. We want to keep it the narrative with your child, no matter how young they are. Um, it is the sound, it is not the person. And that hopefully separates the feeling of anger. Because when you're in fight flight, you feel either like you want to flee or you feel you know, either scared or angry. So a lot of people have problems in relationships, particularly with close family members, because they spend the most time with them. So keep the narrative that it's the sound, it's not the person. Assure your child that it is manageable, even though it seems very overwhelming. And the other thing that's very important is psychoeducation. So no matter, well, obviously, if you have an infant, you can't do this. But even with really, a two, I'd say, two and a half years, uh, depending where someone is developmentally also, you can really start to explain what's happening to them so that they're not overwhelmed by the response and they don't think there's something wrong with their personality and they don't think they're just moody, crazy people. And you keep either take your child to a professional who can explain it and or as a parent you can learn about it and explain it as well so those are the kind of the three the main things that's great can you tell us about your upcoming parenting webinar yes um so many parents call me from so many different places and I realize when, first of all, you know, I can't, I don't like to do counseling on video. Um, I don't, it, it's difficult. Um, and there's regulations why you can't cross state lines. And I realize for the people who are coming to see me in my area, the first hour is always spent explaining to the parent what misophonia is, or if they happen to bring a teenager with them, explaining to the teenager and the parent or parents. So it occurred to me that it would be efficacious in terms of saving a lot of people a lot of money for that first hour if I simply did a webinar. So, and I could reach more people and I thought it was a great idea, so we'll see. Hopefully it will go really well, and I'll be able to do more of them because education is so important. When is your next webinar scheduled? The next one we're going to do is going to be based on school only, so misophonia in the schools. And we haven't decided when we're going to do it, but most likely it will be October. Because, you know, people need a chance to kind of settle into school and see where the difficulties are arising. Where is the best place for our audience to go to learn more about you and about misophonia and further resources? 
So we have uh, my sort of sister site in Canada is Misophonia International. And then I have my own practice site, which is JJB Counseling and Consultation. And we just put up a new site. When I say we, I mean the person that I work with who's an incredible advocate who I think I've introduced you to, Shaylin Hayes. Um, we've just put up a new site called Misophonia Kids and Misophonia Webinars. So we're really trying to reach out. Well, you're doing a great job. And misophonia now is a lot more common than people think. It is astounding to me because in the late 90s, when my daughter was experiencing misophonia, and I kind of recognized that I had it too, there was no one to be found with these exact symptoms. I mean, I would have found them. I was looking. So it it is surprising to me how many people have it. And I don't know why. Um, one of the things I think that is possible, and, and this is evident in new research, is that Misophonia can go along with many other disorders. So if you are, if you have autistic spectrum disorder, you may also have misophonia. It happens to co-occur a lot also with OCD. I mean, anxiety, you know, certainly occurs with the anxiety. And there may even be underlying health issues that we don't know about you know, that has caused this rise in this disorder. I think it's more than the fact that it just got a name. I learned from you in our first interview about some of the neuroscience. Now that modern technology with the PET scans and MRI technology are catching up, let's talk a little bit about the neuroscience of where this stuff is occurring and how it works and then the neuroscience, perhaps, of how you cope with it, too. Okay. So, of course, I'm not a neuroscientist, but um, there's really two essential findings. There hasn't been a lot of, of neuro work because, well, one good piece of news is that there's a lot of funding that just came in for the disorder. So this is terrific. Um, so we'll see more and more. Um, so what we know from the physiological research is that when somebody hears these particular sounds, their nervous system, is, their sympathetic nervous system is escalated. And that can be measured by like the sweat, you know, in your palm of your hand, almost like a lie detector. Um, so there's, you know, validity that this is really happening. This is not just people feeling like it's happening or saying that it's happening. In terms of the neuroscience, we know the amygdala is involved because the amygdala is the part of the brain that mediates fight flight and autonomic nervous system arousal, sympathetic, meaning the fight flight part. So no matter what, the amygdala has got to be in there. Um, but there's also been other findings. Um, and you may have seen this article, The Brain Basis for Misophonia, which got a lot of attention by um, Dr. Kumar in England. And what he's found is that 
in an area of the brain called the insular cortex, your arterial insular cortex. Um, there is more connectivity to the parts of the brain that process emotion. And the other thing about the AIC is that it encodes whether a sound is good or bad, to put it simply. So there's something going on there, and there's so there's some misinterpretation of the sound. All right, and I, I, I like the way, um, I think during our first interview, I asked you, how do you personally cope with it? And one of the things you told me then, if my memory is correct, is that when you realize it's happening, you try to switch it over from the amygdala, which is fight or flight, and get it into your frontal cortex where you'll be a little more logical about it. Right. That's a great way to put it. Um, and that, that it's a great way to sum it up. However, the problem is, because it happens in a millisecond, that response, you have to train yourself almost to kind of hold when you feel yourself responding. And cognitively, you know, you can talk back to yourself. That's helpful. But there are also physiological things that you have to do to bring in the parasympathetic system that cuts the fight-flight response. And that's the hard part. So, you know, there are a lot of studies that are saying cognitive therapy is helpful. Yes, it is helpful, but it's not helpful enough. So one of the reasons I often refer people also to occupational therapists is because they work with all the sensory systems and they can give a lot of tips on how to bring in that parasympathetic system as quickly as possible on an individualized basis. So there, the, the coping skills are a mixture of the cognitive, the physiologic, and the education. And we should emphasize to our audience, too, that when you're talking about fight or flight, this isn't just you feel a little nervous. You can lash out. You can do different things. That's the problem. And I think, you know, one of the things that we have found is that everybody will say, oh, I feel like, you know, punching that person, but nobody really does it. So unfortunately, there's a lot of sort of, you know, memes that have gone out there, like, you know, associating misophonia with violence, but we haven't found any real association with actual violence. Well, Dr. Jennifer Joe Brout, I would like you to tell our audience one thing that they should know about misophonia. It is not a psychiatric disorder. It is a neurological and auditory disorder with emotional consequences. That's the most important thing to know. Very good. Well, Dr. Jennifer Joe Brown, thank you so much for being here again with Exploring Different Brains. Thank you. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Take care, Hacky. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.